Even <laughs> thank you. <clears throat> Maybe we should give an invitation to go to the house. <laughs> John chapter 21, um, I'm going to preach a message to you on this morning, just letting love, letting love lead you. Um, give you a little background in um, John chapter 21, we're going to look at verse 15 through 17, and um, you know Peter was... Uh, probably what we would call the leader of uh, the church that Jesus founded. He uh, was uh, bold in his faith, bold in his statements. Uh, I think you could say he was probably the best friend that Jesus had. Uh, but one of the things that you see when you study Peter's life was not only did he make huge statements and and show great faith, he also had huge falls. Um. And at the time that that Jesus was telling them that he was going to the cross, one of the things that Peter said, he said, you know, Lord, I'll never deny you, even though all the other ones deny you, I'm not going to deny you, I'm ready to go to to death with you. And Jesus told him, you know, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times this night. And once Jesus was arrested, we know that Peter followed him from a distance. Um, He was quick to deny Jesus when uh, asked uh, if he was one of them, you, you know the story, I don't spend a lot of time on that, but he denied Jesus three times and even cursing to get his point across. I do want to chase this rabbit for a second. You know, I, I have people to ask about that, about talking, you know, cursing, using bad language and stuff. When Peter wanted to make it undeniable that he was not a follower of Jesus, he used foul language to prove the point. That just kind of stood out to me, uh, that we should guard our mouths and what we say and... And uh, the language that we use because it's dishonoring to Jesus. But, you know, here in this in this passage of Scripture, uh, Peter was obviously, in, in the one prior to that, from the point in time he denied Jesus and heard the rooster crow, it said he went out and wept. Uh, he was dealing with failure. And he was dealing with everything that goes along with failure, especially when you... Um, uh, when, when you when you make bold statements and 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 you even if it's not in front of people, if you in your heart, you know, maybe if each Sunday, if you're like me, or each time that you go to God's word, you you want so bad to to live a life that honors God, and 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 you and you you repent and you you make bold statements to God of how you're going to try to do better and 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 all these different things, and the next thing you know. Uh, you fall, and it's a huge fall. Uh, one of the most uh, discouraging and oftentimes disengaging aspects of our relationship to God, if we allow it to be, is failure. Because when you fail, the devil's going to pounce on you with everything he's got. He's going to magnify your falls. He's going to magnify uh, how you didn't live up to certain expectations that oftentimes we set. Okay. Oftentimes we set expectations of how God wants us to do and how God wants us to live and, uh, and God, God did not set those expectations. But when we fail and we fall and we mess up and do all the stupid things that we do, um, the devil likes to keep us in darkness and, and keep us in that place to where we just wallow in it. Okay. And I think, it, it, am I alone in that? Is, is everybody here with me? We all fail. Amen. 
Uh, if you're perfect, wrong church, wrong church to be at. <clears throat> um, you need to be up here and me sitting down, but, but that's one of the things I struggle with. You know, I experience it multiple times, usually in the day. In a day, I'll, I'll, I'll have my failures and my falls and, and I'll set my mind to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try harder and I'm gonna, um, walk closer and all these different things. And then the next thing you know, if you're not careful, and, and I'm not, don't apply all of this to me, okay? I'm like, boy, he's really messed up. But, but, <laughs> and I do, I do, God knows I can identify with Peter because I have heard the rooster crow many a times in my life. And, uh, but here's the thing, if you're not careful, Peter here, you know, Jesus had called him away from fishing and called him into preaching. Fishing was his preoccupation prior to uh, following Jesus into ministry. And now at this point, Peter goes right back to fishing. If we're not careful when you fail, if you don't look to Jesus, you'll go right back to what you were involved in before you failed. And the devil, that's what he wants to do. He wants to drive you away and disengage you in your walk with the Lord. Not that you can lose your salvation, but you can sure, you can sure miss a lot of good fellowship that God intended for you to have when you allow guilt and condemnation to, to move you in life and to lead you. Um, and, and oftentimes we, we go back to what we sacrificed, uh, in order to do. Uh, great things for God. Some of, some of you here have made great sacrifices and you've given up things in life so that you can, so that you can make yourself available to God and you step out in faith and do those things. Well, well, here's the truth. You're gonna fail. No matter what you set your heart to, there's gonna be times in, in your walk with the Lord, in your ministry, no matter what it is that you, that you say, Lord, I wanna do this, I wanna, I wanna obey you, I want, you know, no matter, and oftentimes it's, it's the greater the sacrifice, you're gonna, you're gonna fall even greater. And I just wanna kinda, hopefully this is an encouraging message for you because, because I just wanna prep you for that. Nobody, if you don't fall and you don't fail, you're not trying anything. You're not trying anything. If you're sitting here this morning and go, I don't have all those troubles that you have, then, then you're sitting there and you get up and going about your business. But I guarantee you this, if you, if you, like Peter had and the disciples had, and everybody we studied, David and all the different ones of the scripture we look at, those people who desire to live a life honoring to God and to follow Jesus was the ones who had the greatest falls and the greatest failures. Um, and the reason that happens is because sometimes we get to trust it in ourselves and whatever, whatever the reason is because we have a sinful nature. Okay. If you ever get to the point where you think you're above that, you've had the greatest failure in your life. Right. And so in that, you're going to experience and, and oftentimes you're going to, you're going to start heading in a backwards direction. Um, back to looking at yourself as an impossible mission. Let's get you involved. Any of y'all with that? Any of y'all ever say, man, I want to do something for the Lord, and then you fail. It's like, man, Lord, I'll never get it right. I, I struggle with that. Lord, I'm never going to get to that place that I want to be at to where I don't have thoughts, and I don't lose my temper, and, and I'll talk to everybody. I get the opportunity about Jesus, and I'm just in your word. I'm walking in the Spirit all the time, you know, and, and you come into these places where you have the desires that the Holy Spirit puts in your heart, but then you got that dead gum flesh. To where Monday rolls around and, you know, you're working in Dallas and somebody drives by and you wig out on them and, 
and, and you, you say things you don't want to say, and you think things you don't want to think, and you, you get prideful, and you get arrogant, and all of a sudden you hear the rooster crow, and, and, and then the devil jumps on and goes, look at you, how can you say that you love the Lord? Remember what you told the Lord just yesterday? You wasn't going to do this no more. You weren't going to act this way, and you was going to be Johnny Holy, and, and all these different things that you, and here you are, you failed again, and you're, you're miserable, and you're awful, and you're wretched, and you start to listen. That's the voice of a liar. That's not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit never condemns you and dogs you and pushes you away from God. Go away until you get it right. But so many times, a lot of God's people live by, you know, I failed, so God's angry, and I, you know, until I make up for this or get to a certain place, I've, I've lost my fellowship with God, and, and we look at ourselves as mission impossible, and we get frustrated and depressed and angry. And I, I believe that's where <coughs> Peter was at this point. Um, in John chapter 21, and then, as usual, Jesus shows up. And he asked him a question, look in verse 15. You know why Jesus shows up? Because he never gives up. Man, ain't that good? Even though we give up and we throw up our hands and go, I can't. It's like the Lord's always there to go, and I never expected that you would. That's why I show up. And so he comes to Peter and he asked him a question that I want you to uh, focus in on this morning. This is going to be a really simple message. He says, so when they had eaten breakfast, verse 15, Jesus came. Remember, Peter was out there fishing and Jesus came walking along and and uh, they ain't caught nothing. And he said, try on the right side of the boat and they catch all these fish and Peter recognizes Jesus. So he jumps in the water. I tell you how gracious, man, how gracious he must have been for Peter to have failed so greatly. Yet, when he saw Jesus, he says, i got to go to him. He didn't run away and go paddle out further. He just dove in the water. and He swam with Jesus, and Jesus had breakfast with him. Um, and there's a lot of things I could preach on that, but I won't. Anyhow, verse 15. He had eaten breakfast. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, what's the question that he asked? Do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, well, feed my lambs. And he said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, tend to my sheep. And he said the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, you know, he denied him three times. Maybe why he asked him three times. Do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him to the third time, he said, do you love me? And, and he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. Now, I want you to notice what he didn't ask. The question posed was not, do I love you? You know, sometimes we get confused in thinking that because when we do fall and when we do fail, that God's love varies. It never varies. It never changes. The things you look at uh, when you study uh, God's love, I studied this week, and I don't have time to cover everything that I study, but some of the things I saw is the love of Jesus is absolutely 100% unconditional. It's not based upon any condition because Romans 5 eight says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So when you look at your life, and if you'll be honest, you know, maybe you're here this morning and you're trying to come to a place where you're going, maybe I can be good enough to be a Christian. No, you can't. You'll never be good enough to be a Christian. You've got to be sorry enough. You've got to come to the place to realize that in your most, in your mind, what you see as your worst time. Your darkest moments in life and your most vile, wicked sins. God looked upon you and said, I love that person. I'm going to struggle. struggle this morning. But I hate this when I do this. But he said, I love him. 
And I'm going to go die for that sinner. I'm not dying for a saint. I'm not dying for my child. I'm dying for a wretched, godless sinner that hates me. That lives in a way that dishonors me. That's an incredible love. It's unconditional. So if he loved you while you was a sinner and he saved you, all right? And if you're here this morning, you had not been saved. That's all God's asking from you. You don't even read the Bible. Read the Bible. Quit listening to religious people and read God's word. He said, whosoever. Whosoever will come. I'll show you grace. I'll give you mercy. I'll give you forgiveness. That's what he wants. He don't want to try to get you all fixed up. And he'll let him do the fixing, okay? He's not saying you come to church enough, you get everything right enough, and you wear a suit and tie enough, and you do all these things, then then you can be a Christian. He's like, when you come to a place where you realize you can't, that's when I can. And so his love is unconditional, sacrificial in the fact that he went to the cross to die for our sins. It's never ending. It's a, he pursues us. You don't seek after God. The Bible said there's none that seeks after him. He chases us down. And he pursues us with that love. Even as a wretched sinner, when you're, when you're running away from God and you're hardening your heart towards God, uh, he, here he comes. He's on the way. No matter where you're at, and if you're a believer and you're out there in left field and you fall and you fail and you think that God's, you know, up on the throne with his arms crossed looking at you, shaking his head, waiting for you to get it right, he's not, he's right there. He's like, let's sit down and talk about this. Because he wants to restore us. And he wants us to recognize one thing. And the question is not, do I love you? That was settled. God's love for us was absolutely unquestionably settled at the cross. When he demonstrated that love, his work, his, his question was not, are you perfect yet? We're never going to be perfect. You're never going to come to a place where you even have a perfect day. I don't think I haven't had one. And maybe there are those people who, who think they have them, but they're self-righteous. Okay. The question was not, do you have all the answers? Sometimes we think because we don't know everything, we don't have all the answers that we can't be used by God or, or walk with the Lord. His, his question was not, is your life all in order? It was not, will you ever get it right? He asked the question, he said, Peter, you know, I, I know that you've denied me. I knew you was, here's the thing, I knew, I told you you was going to deny me. And I loved you anyway. And now that this reality has settled in on you, that you're not who you say you are, you can't live up to the promises that you make to me, I still love you. The question is, do you love me? You know, in American Christianity, for a, for a large majority of it, we've turned it into something that's unbiblical and that it's not. We make it into a, when you talk to people and you ask them the question, are, are you, oh, so are you a Christian? Are you saved? They, you know, they'll tell you, yeah, I had this experience or I walked in out. Yeah, I was baptized and you know the answers and maybe you give those answers and, and then we accept that as well. If you've been baptized and you heard the message and you went forward and you prayed the sinner's prayer and you did all these things, that makes you a Christian. I think what we ought to ask the question is, do you love Jesus? That's what you've got to ask yourself this morning. Because oftentimes you go, where are you at in your walk with the Lord? And are you a born again believer? You look at your heart and you go, okay. You know, I got my check marks. I prayed the prayer. I did this. I did that. Walked the aisle. But you, but you personally, when, when he looked at you, he would ask you the same question. He would say, you know, I love you. The question is, do you love me? Can you say yes to that? Can you, can you say like Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. And uh, and this week, just, just to drag me up into this message, just really, uh, I've been struggling for a couple of weeks. A lot of stuff going on in my head, uh, in my walk with the Lord, and 
And I do. I get very frustrated with myself. And I set my bar high because he deserves that. Not trying to, not trying to be saved or stay saved, but I just go, Lord, I want so much to be that person that honors you in everything and just failure, failure, failure. And, uh, and I, I woke up Wednesday morning. I think it was Tuesday, Wednesday morning. And I really didn't even want to open my Bible up. And I just happened to open it up. I didn't want to flip things. And I opened it up to there and that question just jumped off the page. And do you love me? And I can, I will say this. I, 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 I fail miserably. You have no idea how awful that I am. But I will say, with all my heart, Lord, you know I love you. And you know what Jesus said? Well, then let's work with that. Feed my sheep. He didn't say, he didn't, he didn't even deal with anything. He said, here's the question. Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. All right. Let's, let's go with that. Let love lead you. Thank you, Bubba. Let love lead you. Let it be what compels you. Let it be what carries you and guides you because you know why? His love is enough. The only reason we love him because he first loved us. And maybe, you know, I don't think there's any day in life where we can go through life and go, we got, well, hey, I got it all together today. I, but I think that if we look and go, each morning when we wake up, if we'll just answer that question, Lord, I love you. And if you can just work with that today. If you can just, you know, let me walk in your love and you can use me to love other people and let love reign in my life. When love reigns, I'm going to respond differently. To the Lord and to other people and the situation in my life. When love reigns, I'm gonna, I'm gonna care differently. I'm gonna control my speech and my actions differently. I'm gonna be moved to seek and obey God, not because out of the wrong reason, but out of my heart. When you love somebody and you let that love, think about how, how different your marriage could be if love reigned in your heart. The love of Jesus. Unconditional, sacrificial. No, no limits to that love. If, if you, if you let that love rule in your life when your wife or your husband do what they do, how would you respond differently if the love of Jesus was what motivated you? When the people that you work with and the people that you come in contact with each day, people who are unlo- who are unlovable, if God went, just let me love them through you. Just You just love me and you receive my love and you walk in and you just love people. That's all I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to be the next Billy Graham. I'm not asking you to answer all the questions. I'm not asking you to change the world. All I'm asking you to do is just, just love me. If you love me, it'll take care of everything else. It really simplifies it, doesn't it? Because I think we can do that. If you're a born-again believer, you can do that. Because here's the thing. <clears throat> When you're saved, you don't get it all together all at once. Nothing is, you know, maybe you've been taught that by somebody who's totally radically confused. But when I look at the scripture, I don't see anybody who, when they say, boom, everything's fixed. Everything's wonderful. They're, they're just Jesus on earth, and they're the great perfect husband, and, and the employee, and the great dad, and, and mom, and, you know, sister and brother, and all, everything. All they need is Jesus. Some people act like that. Well, if, all they need is Jesus. And then they wonder why after, the, after they find Jesus. Well, still acts like a moron sometimes. Duh. But there's one thing that immediately takes place. It happens at the moment. That you trust Christ. Did you open your heart up as a sinner to go, Lord, I need you to save me. I, I want your love. When you're, when you're born again, when you're saved, that's what you're saying. Lord, 
I'm unlovable and I'm asking you to love me. I'm asking you just to, just to let me receive your love. And God's like, let me, let me pour it in. And that, at that very moment, your heart is changed because Christ moves in and his love is in you. If you want to know if you're a born again believer or not, look at your heart. Because the Bible said, if you know him, you have his love. And you love other people. You love the brothers and sisters in Christ. That's, that's just the given. And we should love other people. That's the, the, Jesus said in John chapter 13, By this, all men will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. It's not that you quote a bunch of scripture and that you, that you show up at church. It's that do you love people. Because God loves immediately changes. Because you know why? We recognize at that moment, He shouldn't love me. I have no reason that he should love me. When you understand the depths of the cross and what it took to save you, his love changes you. And all of a sudden you're like, if I don't deserve to be loved, but he loved me, I'm going to start loving some folk. Y'all with me? And so when people ask you why you do what you do, our answer in our heart should be, I do what I do because I love the Lord. Or I don't do what I do because I don't get some self-righteous, pious, religious, turn your nose up like you're so great because you ain't. And neither am I. We do what we do or we don't do what we do because I love the Lord. I had a lady this week. I went to uh, to um, Dallas and I was working up there. And uh, we stopped at a hotel and, and we uh, we was getting our room. This lady, she was really nice. She was going over everything with us. And she said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold back something on your credit card in case you decide to be like uh, crazy people who last week walked out with the sheets and pillows and, and uh, that kind of stuff. And I said, ma'am, I don't steal. I love Jesus. She, <laughs> she looked funny. She said, well, I'm sure Jesus and his father is pleased with that. I'm like, great, whatever. I'm just wanting you to know. You don't have to worry about me. I don't do that. You know why? Not because I'm righteous. Not because I'm a pastor. I didn't tell her none of that. I don't do that because I love Jesus. That's what compels me. If nobody else is around and I can get away with it, I don't want to do it because I want to honor him. And so turn real quick to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. First Thessalonians chapter three. This was a prayer. I still didn't find it. I was in Corinthians. This is a prayer that that Paul was praying for the Thessalonians. And as I studied this, I want to share with you a couple of things that that helped me a lot. If I can ever find Thessalonians in this Bible, I always tell you where it's at. You tell me where it's at. All right. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Look in verse uh, 11. He said, Now may our God and Father himself and the Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And then notice what he says here. And may the Lord, underline your Bible, make you. May the Lord make you to increase and to abound. That word there means to super abound and to increase beyond measure. May the Lord make you to increase and to abound in love. How? To one another. Talking about believers in Christ. And to all unbelievers. Just as we do to you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. 
When I read that, I started praying, Lord, will you make my heart to abound and increase beyond measure in love? And then I started thinking, well, how does God do that? You know, we, we like to think, you know, the, the whole genie in a bottle thing. Lord, I pray you do that. And he goes, that's not the way the Lord works. So I want to give you three really quick things, or maybe really slow things, that God does to increase and answer that prayer in love. And I'm going to have to tell you the stories, you know, pretty quick, just for time's sake. First off, number one, you have to receive it. You have to receive. You can't share or show what you don't possess. There's a story in Luke chapter 7 of the, you know, the lady who came in and, and Jesus was having supper with a, with a self-righteous dude named Simon. The woman comes in, she's broken, she's just weeping. And she bows down and she starts to wash Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair. Everybody there, the, the pious religious people are offended because this is a woman of, of, of terrible character as far as her reputation. You know, and Simon, he's, he's self-righteous and he thinks, he doesn't say, he's like, man, Jesus obviously ain't a prophet because if he was, he'd know what kind of, what kind of trash this was and he would escort her out of the room. That's my paraphrase, okay? He knew what kind of woman this was. He wouldn't allow this. And Jesus said, Simon, I've got something to say to you. And to make a long story short, he said, you know, when I came here, you didn't, you didn't give, you didn't greet me with a kiss. You didn't offer me, you know, anything. You didn't wash my feet. Yet this woman has kissed my feet. She's washed my feet with her tears. He goes into a parable and he says, if you have two men and they both owe a person a lot of money, one of them owes a little bit, one of them owes a great amount, and the one that is owed forgives them both because they have nothing to pay. Which one will love me the most? And Simon said, well, I reckon the one who is forgiven most. And he was like, here's the point of this. And I'm, I'm giving you a quick story. You had to read it for yourself. Luke chapter 7. Here's the point of this. She recognizes how much she's been forgiven. You don't. That's why she loves me so much. She's received so much love within her. Now she's showing that love. The reason you can't show any love is because you haven't received it. You don't think you need it. And as God's people, we have to continue to receive God's love. I don't need God's love once. I need it all the time. And the Bible says in 1 John 4 that we love him because he first loved us. The key to growing and God making us grow is the more that we see what Christ has done for us and the love that he's shown us, that moves my heart to go, God, I want to love you. If you don't desire, listen to me, if you don't have a desire in your heart to go, God, I want to love you so much and I want to love other people. Even if you're honest, go, there's a lot of people I don't love, but God, I want to because I didn't deserve to be loved and you love me. The more that we look at the message of the cross, the more our hearts just scream out, Lord, you love me. And I want to love people the way that you love me. But you have to receive it. You can't share what you don't receive. The second thing, the way God makes us to love, he gives us opportunity. This is the part most people ain't going to like. You remember the Samaritans in John chapter 4, the woman at the well, another woman of terrible character okay, prior to Jesus? The Samaritans were basically half-breed Jews. The Jews who were purebred hated Samaritans. They looked on them as garbage. They wouldn't even speak to a Samaritan. They wouldn't cross paths with a Samaritan. They'd go on the other side of the road when they seen them coming. Hated them and despised them. Yet Jesus in John chapter 4 goes to a Samaritan woman. 
And he shares the truth with this woman. He shares his love with this woman. And the disciples, you know, they they was out, I don't know what they get cheeseburgers or whatever. They show up and look at Jesus like, what is he doing talking to a Samaritan woman? He's loving her. That's what he's doing. And so they come over and, and she, she, she believes and she goes back to town. She starts telling everybody, I found the Savior. I found the Messiah. And all the town starts following her back <coughs> to come and see this man that, that told her all things. And all of a sudden, you know, here's the, the Samaritan hating disciples, church people. Can you believe that? There were church people who walked with Jesus every day and hated people. We don't do that. Amen. So they see these Samaritans coming, and here's how Jesus makes their heart grow. He gives them an opportunity to love that which is unlovable or that's difficult to love. You have anybody in life that's difficult to love? You know why God keeps bringing those kind of people in your life? Because he wants to make you abound and increase. It's easy to love lovable people. And all of these Samaritans come and he said, open up your eyes. The fields are white, ready for harvest. Go, go to these Samaritans. Go to these people that you despise, that you think you're better than, that you think you're more holy than. You go and show them people love. And it wasn't the fact that the Samaritans needed it so bad. I think it was the disciples who needed it more than they did. I think there's a lot of church folk that need the love of Jesus in them, sometimes more than the lost people do. Because, because what was it? Jesus said, man, what, what, what's the big deal if you love people who love you? Publicans do that. Lost people love normal people who love them back. You know, we got the whole, I'll pat your back, you pat mine. That's just society. But only the love of Jesus can cause you to go, I truly, not, don't give me no superficial, well, I just love that person. Yet in your heart, you're like, man, I can't stand them. Y'all don't do that. We say the right words, amen, come on. We say the right words when our heart, we go, I really, I'm, I'm just going to be really glad when I get away from this person. But what happens when God develops his love in your heart where you go, I despise this person. i got some people I despise, if you want to be honest. Don't want to be around them. But I've had some people in this crowd that I despised. I won't tell you who you are. <laughs> and I can say that I love you with all of my heart because God continued to drive me crazy with you. Until I got to the point to where I recognized where God went. You see yourself? Do you look at yourself? You say you love me, but you're treating these people differently. You're not showing the love of Christ to them. I'm going to be honest with you. There's one point in time I despised my wife. And God went, you're the one that's wrong. Your heart is the one. You know why I cause these things in your life? Because I want to reveal to your self-righteous, godless heart that you don't love like you say you do. And I'm giving you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity until you get it right. Until you finally go, okay, bingo, Lord. I'm the idiot in this. I'm the one who needs to love. I'm the one who needs to quit looking down on people like they need to be like me. You don't need to be like me. Thank y'all for leaving me hung out when I crucify myself. Amen. Thank y'all. Y'all folks, y'all, let me be honest with you. If y'all folks sitting there thinking, man, he's terrible. I don't hate anybody. You're a liar. The truth's not in you. You got folk in your life you don't want to go on vacation with. Right? And those are the people God keeps bringing into your life. She go, I need to love some people. Be giving you the opportunity. The best thing to do is just start loving them and be done with it. Amen. And then, and then this is my last thing that I want you to get right here in 312. Notice what it says. This gives you a good ministry right here in the church. He said, may the Lord make you to increase and abound in love to one another and to all. And notice what he says here, just as we do to you. How does God increase your love? 
by people in this church who come to you and show you his love. Here's the cool thing. When you as a, when you as a brother and sister in Christ, when you, when we fellowship one another in church, I'm not talking about on Sunday, but just, and I'm, I'm blown away by the stories that I hear from people in this church. I'm like, man, it's awesome. It makes me so proud of the love that you, when you go to somebody and you show them some act of love, some act of kindness, what you're doing is you're giving God the opportunity to increase their love. Because when they receive that, what happens? They have to open their heart and God just enlarges their heart with his love. And that's the love of Jesus shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. That when you show that love, they're like, <sighs> you know, Charlie was sharing with me this week. He said, man, it's been a great week. I said, really? He said, yeah. One of the things he said, he said, I had one church member come by and he gave me a whole bunch of meat. And then another church member came by and wanted to buy me two tires. He's like, man, God is good. Do you see how? He didn't say, oh, this church member is so wonderful, self-righteous. Holy. He's like, man, I saw Jesus. And his heart's increased in love with that. That's what God does. That's our purpose as a church. When you, when you love one another and you, you're, you're sharing love with Jesus, all you're doing is you're just growing the church. And God's like, I just want to make your heart. I want to move out the, the stuff I don't want there and I want to pour in what's good. And it goes on down and notice what it says finishing up. It says uh, that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. You notice this? How did he connect blameless? That you're blameless before God and that you're holy. How does he do that? Through love. It's not through, I'll keep the commandments and I obey this and I go to church and I, I'll stop this and I'll quit this and I'll start that. Here's the God's honest truth. Jesus said, first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, all your, all, all your, all your heart, and, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Upon this hinge all the law and the prophets. So what is he saying? If you start loving, loving Jesus the way he loves you and you love other people, you know what's going to happen? All those things that drive you crazy that you don't want in your life, it's going to disappear. You don't, you don't sin against God when you love God. You don't, you don't think about darkness when you're walking in love. And when you're showing love to other people, you don't think about all the things about them that drive you crazy. You just start loving them. You start seeing them the way that, that Jesus sees them. And the way that he sees you and you begin to abound in love. And that should be our ministry. I think that ought to be our prayer, God, this week. Today, Lord, will you just, I don't know what you want me to do, but just let me have somebody that I can show your love to today in whatever way that is, whether it's doing something for somebody, speaking well to somebody, sharing with somebody, encouraging somebody, sharing the gospel with somebody. God, I just want to show your love. And if you go through the day going, Lord, I just want to, I just want to share what you've poured into me. I thank you that I'm loved. I thank you, God, that you went to the cross for me to die for my sins, to give me life. You gave me what I didn't deserve. You called me out. You start looking at all the goodness of God in your life. And then you start sharing it, it transforms you. It stops being this religious duty. Because if you're miserable trying to serve God, you've got it all wrong. Sharing love is not miserable if you have love. And I believe if you're, I know, if you're a child of God here, you can do that. You can, even some of you old backwoods, hard-headed, redneck men who, who are meanly men, you know, I'm one of those. For some reason, I'm looking at Doug. I guess it's because he's huge. <laughs> Doug can be one of the lovingest people if he chooses to. Just to show love to his wife, to his family, to his co-workers. I don't care what kind of people that you work with. You work in the most harsh environment. And when you be kind to people and you show them love because you love Jesus, doesn't mean you always Bible thump them. But you know what? If you get the chance, share God's word with them. Always. The greatest act of love is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to give them the hope that you've been given. Why do you, why do you treat people this way? I love Jesus. He, he loved me and I didn't deserve it. He loves you. 
wants to give you life, wants to save your soul, wants to transform your marriage, wants to give you an incredible family, wants to give you peace in your heart. He offers that love and forgiveness and grace and mercy to everybody. Everybody. If you read, read, read the last chapter of Revelation, you'll see one of, the, one of the things he said there is, whosoever wants to come, come. If you're thirsty, come. I'll give you. He told the woman at the well, you ask me for a drink, I'll give you water that never, you'll never thirst again. He's talking about his love. He pours into our hearts. So maybe you're here this morning and so say, I've, I've never... I've never heard that that way. I've never received the love of Jesus. I hope you're here this morning. If you are a, if you are, you look at your life, go, I'm a, I am a, a sinner above all sinners. Once you recognize that, that's great. Because the cross is for sinner of all sinners. It's a message that God cries out to go, I came to love sinners. I want to forgive you. You have to have it. If you're going to receive life, you have to have mercy. I know we, we pound on repentance, and, and, and that's a part of it. Listen to me. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. When you look at the love of Jesus in your life, answer this question this morning. Do you love Jesus? Not church. Not, don't give me your list. But when you look at your heart, if Jesus stood before you and he said, you know, David Ham, do you love me? Nathan, do you love me? Don, do you love me? I know Don loves him because Don's wretched and he's here. <laughs> God's transformed him. If you get, if Don asks him, can be changed, he can, he can save anybody here this morning. Amen, brother Don. You know what I'm talking about. And so don't, don't leave without hope. There's nobody who's unloved. Nobody. If you die and go to hell, listen to me. If you die and go to hell, you'll die and go to hell loved beyond measure because you chose not to receive the love that Jesus died to give you. Don't let religion take you to hell. Don't let religion make you miserable. And listen to me, don't let your failure separate you from God. He'll, he will chase you down. I just encourage this morning as God's people to answer that question and go, God, I just want to love you. I just want to lay my failures at your feet. I want to lay my struggles here. And all my, all my faults, God, you know my struggles, you know my weaknesses and all these things, Lord, that I, that I focus on, that I battle against and I can't seem to overcome. God, I can answer this question with all my heart. Lord, you know I love you. And if, if we can work with that, I'll just work off of that. And when you do that, man, you find, you find great hope and peace. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed?